Welcome to Into the Glory Zone with me, Dr. Edith Davis, on 94.1 FM, Wave 94. Spiritual believers and listeners, you have been listening to several revelations about how to prepare for the great wealth transfer and basically ownership, faith, and then what is in your hands and being a being appreciative and letting God use what you have. And as I progress through this this revelation as as God prepare prepares me for the great wealth transfer and how to um how to walk in that in obedience. I'm now asking God almost every night what is the next chapter? What is my destiny? What do you want me to do? It doesn't matter what I want. I want to do what God wants. And so I've been having these unbelievable dreams. Um, we've had um, 24-hour intercessory prayer, prayer where I had a, a, a phenomenal dream. And then um, and then since then, um, we had intercessory prayer that Monday night and seven to eight and Jesus himself manifested. I mean, the Holy Spirit, it was just, just one of the most powerful spiritual experiences um, since I've been at um, All Nations Church, which was formerly Christian Heritage Church. So I know that there is transitioning going on. Unfortunately, people are dying, uh, people that, you know, that I'm relatively close to. And and it really makes me aware of my mortality. And what am I doing with the the precious time and resources that God has given me? Um. As you know, um, Robert Morris, Chancellor Dr. Robert Morris, um, is the writer of The Blessed Life and Beyond the Blessed Life. And one of the powerful things that he, well, he broke down what actually was a talent. And a talent was a year, a, no, it was a lifetime salary. A lifetime salary. So that means that the gentleman that had the one talent had a lifetime salary in his hand. And then um, the one with two talents had two lifetime salaries in his hand. And the gentleman with the five talents had five lifetime salaries in his hands. And it wasn't about how much, but God was looking for what? Increase. That's just the bottom line. He expects us to have increase, which of course makes me evaluate my life. And I look at areas in my life where it's not an increase. Matter of fact, it's a deficit, such as being divorced. I look at that as a deficit versus the family, husband and wife who have been married for over, you know, several years and they've got the children and they've got the grandchildren and the great grandchildren and they've, they're prospering. They, uh, everything's in a place. So I look at my life and I say, okay, I didn't do well in that category. Well, you, you look at your health, right? You know, are you, 
able to walk and do the things you did when you were young. And, you know, you got to take a look at your exercise regime, your eating regi- regime, um, your your sleep regime. Are you getting enough sleep? Then you, you want to take a look at your relationships, right? You want to make sure, do you have healthy relationships or do you have destructive relationships, dysfunctional relationships? You look at your finances. And that's an area where I've had some increase that I've been, had some great improvement in. However, I had, as my godfather would say, a crooked bounce. And what I mean by that is that, in, you know, in, in the case of parents with older adult children, you can sometimes find yourself trying to rescue them from some of the poor decisions that they make. And so I found myself trying to help my um, son to my um, detriment where, I, you know, I wasn't able to um, do some things that I should have been able to do. And, and, I, and I had to repent. I had to go to God and say, Holy Spirit, I will not make any more decisions. I don't care if it's my son, my daughter, you know, whatever, until I get your approval. I I can't do it anymore because I had a taste of what it's like to not be stressing over money and being paying all your bills on time and things like that. Now, I do have student loans and I was reflecting on that and I was even... um, I got a call that I I had student loans from when I got my bachelor's from the University of Miami and my master's from Stanford University, Stanford, California, and University of Miami in Coral Gables, Florida. And I was able to pay off my um, student loans in just a few years because I had a great job as a geophysicist at Mobile Oil, which is now ExxonMobil. And then I went on and pursued and got my master's in business administration, my MBA in business. And it was, you know, pretty, you know, I was almost paid off with that loans because I've had some great jobs working for one of the best companies I've ever worked for was 3M and some other companies. And I was Harley Davidson was a great company as well. So I was almost had almost those loans paid off when I decided to get my doctorate and curriculum instruction um, at Baylor University, Waco, Texas. And I got it in curriculum instruction, science education with an emphasis in research. So I had my doctorate. The doctorate world was primarily just loans. And so had accrued after paying off all these loans and getting my debt almost totally wiped out, had accrued over $100,000 of debt, of student loan debts. And so... As I've done the best I can, I've been paying on my Baylor. There's some Baylor loans I had, you know, for my doctorate. So I've been paying those. But now the other um, loans are coming to do. And so I actually reached out to the president, which is not my first time. I wrote a letter to President Reagan one time. I wrote a letter to President Clinton one time. And now I've written a letter to President Biden saying, hey, I need help with these student loans and and the work that I'm doing, I believe, is 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 very um, beneficial to our nation's children and to the even to the children of the world, because the microspiral methodology, which is my life's work, actually helps overcome absenteeism 
and loss of instructional time, which are two of the major um, things that we have to deal with in education, absenteeism and loss of instructional time. And, and the Microspire methodology actually helps overcome these things. It doesn't totally eradicate it, but the Microspire methodology has actually was used and um, the seminal work was done, an entire um, fifth grade elementary um, science class failed the state science test. And that's a that's bad when the entire class fails. And so my team was able to get in there and um, we we actually took an entire year of this of their science curriculum for the year. We compressed it into three months. We microspired it, executed, delivered it, the concept, knowledge, and skills. They took the state science exam. African-American scores went up by 45%. Hispanic scores went up almost 30%. Anglo's score, Anglo-American scores went up almost 30%. Hispanic-American scores almost 30%. Anglo scores, Anglo scores went up almost 30%. Economically disadvantaged free lunch scores went up 32%. Male, females, gifted and promising, above average, average, special needs students, everybody's scores went up. And I've been going like the Pied Piper, going from place to place, um, telling this wonderful um, methodology that really really radically changes the lives of our children. And so I mentioned that in my letter, and then I mentioned I really need help with these student loans. So you guys pray for Dr. Davis and um, that I may get some some relief here. And, and, uh, and I explained that I couldn't even do a consolidation because after almost not quite 30 years of marriage, I was divorced. My former husband divorced me. And because of that, I cannot consolidate my student loans. And so I think about how we as, we as people in the body of Christ, Christians, how we have to deal with many of the same issues and problems as everybody else. But the great news for us is we have Christ Jesus. We have the favor of God. We have God's wisdom, his insight, his understanding, his knowledge, the spirit of the Lord and the quick understanding and the fear of the Lord. And it was basically a unction from the Holy Spirit that had me write the letter and send it off to the White House. So it's at the White House now. And why? Because I know that God... I'm a good steward, I'm a tither, I give my 10% and I give offerings and I like helping people and I know God is training me to be trustworthy so that I can be a blessing and I will be blessed and I will be a, have be a blessing to others. But if you're not doing it before, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, I'll, I'll give too once I, you know, once I, no, you get, once I get that big money, once I get that big breakthrough. But what God is looking for is what you're doing with what you have now in your hands. And so it's been tough sometimes, but I try to be faithful. And if I'm not, I'm very repentant. Repentant means change your mind, means 
turn around, do a 180 degree turn and go down back to the right direction. And so that's kind of where I am. So as I reflect on what's happening all around us, I, I realize that God is with me and God is for me and God loves me and all things will work together for my good because I love the Lord and because I am called to his purpose. And I think that you really, 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 really reflect and realize that to be a truth in your life. When you see people around you younger than you, I feel like in some cases, my first time that I went through this was um, I went to Stanford and I, one of my closest classmates was, her name was Ann Murney. And I loved Ann Murney and she asked me to be her roommate at Stanford. So we had a, an apartment together at Escadino Village, I think it was, and at Stanford. And we ended up working in Houston, Texas together. She worked for Phillips Petroleum and I worked for Mobile Oil. We were both geophysicists. And I just adored Anne. She was a bridesmaid in my wedding. Anne was an, was an only child. Her father was a famous surgeon in Missouri. She loved baseball and she knew, you know, all the things about baseball. And, and she one day came to me and said, Edith, I'm quitting being a geophysicist and I'm going to fly airplanes because that's been my heart's desires to fly airplanes. And she did. She quit being a geophysicist. She, um, started, she got her pilot's license and then she became a teacher. But one day, Anne went up in the airplane and the, literally the engine fell out of the plane. So it was a serious maintenance error. And she had a student in the airplane, a male, and he was much bigger than Anne. Anne was extremely petite and tiny. She was like five foot, two inches, maybe tall, if, if that, about a hundred pounds soaking wet. And so she did not survive the plane crash. And I never forget when they called me in and I was at, um, I was at the University of Texas in Austin working on my MBA. And they told me that Anne had died and literally my, my jaw locked and my jaw was locked wide open. My mouth was open for like a day or two. I couldn't close my jaw. I was so, and one of the things that came out of that experience for me was what kind of witness was I for Christ Jesus? And at the time I knew Anne, I was a carnal Christian at best. And I was disillusioned by the church like many of us do. Many of us in the body of Christ have been churched, hurt, or wounded in the church or disillusioned with the church because we look at our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ in the church and they're flawed human beings just like I'm a flawed human being, right? And so... I um kind of walked away from church for two years. I did not go to church. And that was when I was working on my master's at Stanford, where I got my master's at Stanford in geophysics. So in Stanford, California. So when she died, 
I reflected on my walk with Christ Jesus, and I thought about, had I ever even witnessed to Anne, right? And that was a major turning point in my spiritual walk. And then that's when I went back to church. I I went back and I ended up going to non-denominationals. I was raised Roman Catholic, but I decided to go non-denominational and in, ended up now in All Nations Church, which is Pentecostal. And I I think about it and I think to myself, Anne's death made me rethink my life. And if I ever met anyone or that was the last time I would interface with someone that I would realize I I wanted to be sure that people understood that I had a relationship with Jesus Christ and that I would like for them to also have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I reflect on that story because now I'm having um, my um, one of my dearest, closest friends, her assistant pastor just dropped dead and Pastor Kelly. And then after that, her mentor, uh, her spiritual father and mentor passed away, you know, um, suddenly from a heart attack a few weeks later. And then, then Pastor Kelly's wife passed away a few weeks after that. Then her sister had a heart attack. Then one of my dear friends, um, got COVID, made it through COVID. But then had a heart attack right after that. And as I was driving to see him in ICU, I was told that he did not make it. So it makes you reflect. And I, and I think about what was my last interaction with these individuals. And I think to myself, I says, they knew that I was sold out to Christ Jesus, that I wanted them to be sold out to Christ Jesus. And so I, I didn't have the same feeling that I had when Anne passed away, uh, Anne Murney. But I'm, I still got a long way to go. I want, I want to grow closer to Christ Jesus. I want to grow closer to the Holy Spirit. I want to grow closer to the Father. And one of the things that I'm working on now since I recognize that I need to make, I need to look and see what's in my hands and be, have a spirit of gratitude and appreciation for what God has given and bless what I have in my hand. Bless my son. Bless my daughter. You know, look at what's in my hand. And then once I under got that, then I can walk in what? Ownership, what? Faith, which was bought by Jesus' perfect blood, which will enable me, what? Enable me. I'm the righteousness of of God, right? Well, let's back it up. I am the, the righteousness of God, right? And so the, I'm the righteousness of God. Therefore, because of his blood, his righteousness, and then I can walk in ownership faith, right? And then what next? I can receive the great what? Wealth, what? Transfer. So, so now I'm reflecting on, and God had, had showed me this before, but we can have a wounded soul. Our souls can be like the old, the man in the Bible with the withered hand. Our souls can be withered, right? As, as we 
go through life. We've been wounded and hurt and betrayed and defiled and all sorts of stuff. And we've done the same to others as well. We wounded and hurt others ourselves. And we have hurt and we have been hurt. And so I think of our souls as being withered. And I have been praying and praying and praying that my wounded, withered soul would become whole like the man's hand when Jesus prayed over his withered hands, how it became whole. And it was his hand where he worked with his working hand. I believe it was his hand. So, so I've been praying about that. And what I realize is that God operates in representation. Well, Dr. Davis, Dr. Davis, what do you mean by representation? I mean, Adam represented all of mankind. The Adams represented all of mankind. And when they fell, all of mankind fell. When they, when they failed and opened up the door to death, which they could have, they were immortals. And originally they were immortals. They weren't supposed to ever die, right? So they broke the, the one law that God had given them to eat from the tree of good and evil, and they did. And so they died. They spiritually died, and it took about almost a thousand years for them to physically die. But because of that, the thing of representation is they represented. So Jesus, the last Adam, basically died. He was sinless. He was blameless. And he took the sin of the entire planet. Every man, woman, and child that was ever born, born now and born in the future, he took all of their sins. He took all of their transgressions. He took all of their iniquity. He took all of their sickness. He took all of their disease. He took all of their lack. He took all of their poverty. He took it all into his body and he gave up his blood for us. And because of that, he represented us. And so representation when he died we died when he rose again from the dead we rose again from the dead he exchanged his righteousness for our unrighteousness right so the same thing with the tithe 10 percent represents the whole so when you give the 10 percent the first fruit off the top it represents the whole and god blesses the whole when you give him the 10 percent so one of the things about representation is this, is that because the way you perceive someone is what you will receive from that person. So if you treat that person as an enemy, they will be an enemy. If you see that person as an enemy, then you will then you will not accept them, accept those individuals. Right. So. So what does that mean? Well, every human being on planet Earth has a gift, has a gift. And that gift, everyone needs that gift that's in that individual. But not everyone will receive that gift, just like with Christ Jesus. Everyone on planet Earth needs the gift that Jesus Christ has, but not everyone will receive it. Why? Because of that principle of representation, right? Jesus went all over Ju all over Jerusalem, all over Galilee, all over the place. But when he got to Nazareth, he could do hardly no miracles. Now, that could he do it? Yes, he could. But he he was not able to do because of this of the 
of the law of representation. The, the way you perceive someone is what you're going to receive for someone. If you highly esteem someone, then you will receive from them high, highly. You, you, you honor someone as a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. You honor somebody as a president, you receive the president reward. But what happens is we get into these little cliques, we get into these little uh, dysfunctional relationships, and we get wounded and hurt by these people. And, you know, mm, you get wounded and hurt by these people. And you're not able to receive from them because they hurt you because you don't trust them. So they hurt you and you don't trust them. Therefore, you cannot receive the gift. And the reason why I say God had taken me through this one time before, there was an individual that had betrayed me that had, you know, had I cost me. Cost me a lot of money. Cost me, um, let's see, how much was it? $14 million, right? That's a big deal. But I was able to work through it, and I was able to forgive that individual, and I was able to move on. And because of that, there was a gift inside of them that I received. And so I, I, I reflect and I think about where God is taking me to and it looks like this next phase is I have I've asked the Holy Spirit to help me to look at every individual that I interface with from this day forward not in their flesh but at their spirit I want to look at people through the eyes of the Father, through the eyes of God, through the eyes of Christ Jesus, through the eyes of the Lord God, Holy Spirit. I know I don't care what they did to me in the past. I don't care about any of that. All I want to do is see them through the eyes of the Spirit, the eyes of God, because God loves every individual on this planet. And he has a plan, a good plan for them. And he has a gift in them. And that gift is incredible. But not everybody is going to be able to receive it. Not everybody's going to be able to receive it. And that's just the way it is. And I want to receive every good and perfect gift that God has. And I, and the only way I'm going to be able to do that is to let my guard down, trust God, and look at people with fresh new eyes, with the eyes of Christ Jesus, with the eyes of the Lord God, Holy Spirit, and with the eyes of Daddy God, Yuhei And I think that's going to take us to the next step to receiving the great wealth transfer, to recognizing that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and I receive favor, and that I have now ownership, what? Faith because of the blood, because it's a finished work. And now that I look in what look in my hands and I see what's in my hands instead of cursing it, I bless it. I bless my son. I bless my daughter. Yes, my son still needs to take the trash out, but I still love my son and I bless him. And now I look at my mother and I say, bless my mother, love my mother, right? So this has been just a wonderful adventure 
as God reveals and and reveals all the wonderful things that he has in store for you and for me. He has a plan for us. He has a great plan for us. And I just want we'll continue this this journey, we'll continue this story, but I want to read Romans 10:9 before we close this broadcast. That is if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Thank you for once again joining me on Enter the Glory Zone, Dr. Edith Davis on 94.1 FM, Wave 94. To be a